Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church, and you're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer questions from Sunday, September 12th, 2021. It's been a little while since we last recorded our podcast, but we took the summer off, so why don't we take a moment and introduce ourselves? Hey everyone, I'm John Vanderveld, and I'm the executive pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, and Glen Allen Bible is our home church. I serve as the executive director of Naomi's House, which is a ministry offering hope and healing to women who have survived commercial sexual exploitation. And I'm Kelly Brady, and I serve as senior pastor here at the church. Thanks for tuning in today to The Next Level. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Good to be back. We're back. It's Monday. Welcome, Simone. Hi, thanks. Good to be here. It's great to have you here. I'm excited. I, I missed the uh, podcast all summer and had a lot of people asking, when Yay. is it coming back? Yay. I kept using the line, just get caught up on the past episode. <laughs> <laughs> Three months to get Good caught tip. up. I think you can handle it. I listened to a gazillion podcasts this summer. And um, so I'm, I, I love answering questions or being a part of this. And so... Now, were you listening with a critical ear for podcasting, I d- I or were you just enjoying podcasts? A little bit. You know, I'll say, well, that was an interesting intro, and yeah. the listeners that have been regular historically will notice that we were changing up our format a little bit. We're trying to keep it fresh, but I, I don't have much to offer on production, you know, so I I mainly listen for theological stuff. Yeah. yeah. What was your favorite podcast oh that gosh. you listened to? Well, I have What's your favorite one that you're listening to right now? I have been listening to the Mars Hill, mm-hmm. the rise and fall of Mars Hill, and and I, you know, if it's a little bit like going to the dentist, it is, it I, is. I was gonna say, is and it? Apparently, we have lots of cavities, so <laughs> the drilling just won't stop. So you going to the dentist in the sense that you haven't enjoyed it, or you? It's it's painful to hear uh, about spiritual abuse ad nausea, mm-hmm. so it just it, the hits just don't stop. It just comes and comes and comes and comes, and so you need to listen because we we need to learn. We need, yeah. and so many people in our in the church and in the community are listening and learning, and but yet you don't like to sit down in the chair and. Yeah, know. that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> right. have your teeth scraped. Don't don't mean to offend any dentists listening, but um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> John has a dental issue. Well, my my hesitation because I haven't Anti-dentite. I haven't listened to it yet, and I want to. But uh, is are there really things that we need to learn from it that we have not learned already in the past ten years of the same story going on and on, or do or is this something like yeah Matt you really should engage with this because you're gonna learn some stuff. It, I just I feel like there's a percentage of me that just wants to get into the nasty gritty and and just you know it's the, yeah it's the car wreck on the side of the road and you go right by and right and it's like, like whoa what happened am I going to gain some insight that's good for me for ministry that I have not gained already. From all of the stories I've been reading about over the past decade, probably not in in that sense. I, I don't think any of us are surprised that abuse, spiritual abuse, takes place. So right. I don't think you'll say, "Oh my gosh, I've never heard or thought of that." Or well, so because I, I followed the Mars Hill story pretty fairly closely, maybe mm-hmm. a little closer than most, I would mm-hmm. say, when when it was kind of all going down. So in in light of that, then sh- is this a podcast I need to listen to? I think to uh, potentially, I think to John's point, uh, um, a fair number of people in our county are listening to it because it's being produced by Christianity Today, which is in Carroll Stream. Right, right. So I think, and right I'm now, hearing it in circles. Yeah, all so circles. Do, I think it's worth it at that level just to know what people are wrestling with, what they're hearing. 
how the, I think how those issues have been. I was going to say to be a good shepherd yeah. Yeah. of our congregation. If we were in Montana or even Denver, maybe, maybe not. But yeah. it just happens to be on front burner for, for yeah. DuPage County. I think I there's s- a lot of takeaways because that's what you're asking too, right? There's a lot of takeaways from it that uh, are pretty eye-opening. I mean, some maybe you all in your leadership roles are more familiar with church abuse because you have seen it, you've walked through it or whatever. But I don't know. There was This was shocking to me. I didn't okay. follow the story, and okay. I didn't know much about him, so the whole thing was really new to me. And I there was a ton of takeaways. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not caught up. I think there was a newer episode released last week maybe. Yeah, I haven't listened uh, to that one yet. Thursday or Friday it yeah. came out. Yeah. Yeah. What the previous churches that we were, um, we had shaped our worship ministry to mimic Mars Hills, which was a really interesting ministry. They had, they had like original bands, bands of all kinds of, of different genre, and they wrote their music. And so that's what we were trying to do. So because of that, we I just knew who Mars Hill was, Mars Hill was, and followed them. And then when everything started happening, you know, it's interesting. I, I text Kelly this week after the, the last one came out and a, a, a pastor that we know and respect and, and has been influential in our lives. Sam Storms is on the podcast and he does a great job explaining kind of his position. And he was a part of Acts 29, which is the church planting movement of Mars Hill and other churches. And I found that really helpful, um, what he was saying. And Kelly and I were we're texting back and forth about it, and I said, the thing I, I think it's important f- for us to listen to is because so much of the language is similar to language that we would use, and how mm. now, because <laughs> people are hearing that language said in... Um, heightened sensitivity. Yeah, there's yeah. a hi- heightened sensitivity to the words that we use, and maybe some some explanation now that needs to happen, and, and a little bit more teaching, and um, there's just there's phrases, and um, processes that they talk about and yeah. thing and, and even, um, people that they, that he mentions that he reads and thinks of like, and is associated with, and that can be similar to some people that we know, you know, listen to or whatever, and just, yeah, heightened sensitivity to what we're saying, how we're saying it, um, how it comes across now in our congregation, if people are listening to this and, I mean, I raised it when a couple times. Mark raised it, uh, Wilkerson, when he preached. You yeah. Know, yeah, like, he did. yeah, you did. Yeah, you did too, though. Yeah, yeah I know you all are listening to this, and let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater was a little bit of what I was saying. Because mm. some of the things you're going to hear coming out of this text are things that you just listened to mm-hmm. on the Marshall podcast. And they're tr- like, some of this stuff is, is real and good and true. It's used in a way that was totally damaging and inappropriate. Yeah. Um, so. You know, Kelly, you had a good uh, point yesterday when you talked about the many churches that you visited during your sabbatical and that, you know, by and large, the churches you were you were at and the leadership you talked to, you know, people are they're 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 doing it and day in and day out. They're not as you said, they're, they're making their layups, as you yeah, said. Yeah. And as you were saying that, you know, we were standing up here on the platform behind you and, and it just got me thinking, yeah. But nobody wants to listen to a podcast of a bunch of people li- making their layups, yeah. Yeah. and that's why I w- that's why I started thinking like, do I really want to listen to this podcast? Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, there's an article that's been, and I would recommend the article. It's uh, the danger of failure porn. I think you sent it to me. Did I? Yeah. yeah. So I I, oh, I did. Mm-hmm. I shared it with a couple mm-hmm. folks. So mm-hmm. there is a a good article out about how the church um, needs to be careful that we don't get drawn in. Um, by the mm-hmm. failure itself and pointing out other people's flaws and even 
you know, it's it's the Jerry Springer effect. Yeah. I always say that people watch Jerry Springer because if you watch Jerry Springer, you feel like, gosh, my family's mm -hmm. not half as bad as I thought it was. Right. Look how bad it could be. And so we just need to be careful about the impact that um, diving into the minutia of somebody else's failure, somebody else's life has upon our own souls. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, it was a good Sunday. It was great having you back. Really, really good to be back. I was pumped to preach, ready to preach. and Yeah. Um, Dude, you were saying you were rusty. You weren't rusty at all. I was nervous. I really was nervous to get up. I Really? Yeah. You didn't seem like it. No, he threw up right before. <laughs> <he was. Yeah. laughs> it's a great, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, I think it was John Ortberg who, first time he ever preached, he got up, he fainted. Mm. Oh. And then he, Flame the spirit. And he was, he was done because... <laughs> They couldn't get him back up there. I mean, he was he was uh, out, and and the next day he was leaving for a year long mission trip. So he didn't get a chance to to address the church. A year later, he gets back in the pulpit and he says he begins by saying, "As I was saying, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome." <laughs> yeah, I was nervous, but in a good in a good way. I mean, yeah. we have to be careful. You know, anytime we feel nerves when we lead, if we're not careful. We, it, it can be an indication that it's about we think it's about us, or we we want to make it about us, and sure. preaching shouldn't be about us. So I'm always kind of on guard about it. Now, why do I feel nervous? Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with questions. All right, we're back, and we are ready to get to some listener questions. So question, first question. Loved, loved, loved the Wizard of Oz in your teaching yesterday. It made so much sense to me that when the curtain is pulled back, we see Jesus, a man of, and God, rather than a wizard who is a good man, but a bad wizard. Here's my question. I believe, but no one in my family believes. No one in my family believes that he is fully God and fully man. What should I do? How can I get them to see Jesus? Yeah, how can we pull back the curtain? Well, help. Send them the Mars Hill pot. No. No. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Um, I was I was going to offer some background. The Wizard of Oz is an interesting historical piece um, in relation to the beginning of Glowing Bible Church. So the Wizard of Oz came out in 1939. Uh, Glowing Bible Church was uh, started in 1943, so just a four-year separation. So they come, um, you know, they kind of have their debut, the church and the Wizard of Oz, at the same time just a four-year separation. And it's interesting to consider what was going on in the American culture when the Bible church movement, Glowing Bible Church, was a part of a larger national movement where Bible churches were being started. So there's West Chicago Bible, there's Wheaton Bible, there's Lombard Bible, there's these Bible churches. And it's not a denomination, but it isn't. There is um, a historic uh, association so to speak, about when these churches started and the culture that they came out of and the kind of the impetus around getting them started. So all that to say, I, I find it fascinating that a beloved children's movie, kind of the moral of the story is you have everything you need within you. You have complete self-sufficiency. And they go so far as to pull back the curtain on the great, the great Oz. I mean, it's obviously... Um, a literary l design to allude to God. Mm. They pull back the curtain, and it's just a, it's a good man who makes a bad wizard. In other words, there's nothing to see. But pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. There's nothing to see there. 
What's interesting to note is in the 20s and 30s in America, there was something going on called the modernist fundamentalist conflict. Uh, Darwinian theory was making its way into the public schools, and there's a famous trial that came out of there, that public trial as a school teacher in Tennessee, I believe, started teaching evolution. And, and he, got, he got fired, and then he was placed on trial, and it's called the Scopes Monkey Trial if you want to Wikipedia it. But the, the modernists portion of the modernist fundamentalist conflict was uh, saying that science is all we really need. It's this impetus around modernity. We know better now than to believe that there's an unseen real. And fundamentalists were saying, no, Scripture's inspired, Scripture's authoritative. We've got to get back to faith in believing. And so the conflict, and it was a very public debate as America, really, um, in, in some respects, lost faith. I mean, there are churches in our county that don't believe scriptures inspired by God or if they or if authoritative, but that it's simply myth, that it's redemptive myth with a good story. Anyway, I just Go on Bible Church has its origin out of the same time. We were part of the fundamentalist movement. A return to the fundamentals was this call to get back to believing God has spoken. One of the points I made yesterday. He's spoken in time and space. He's revealed himself. He's pulled back the curtain. He's trying to care for his people, those who have faith in Christ. And so I just, I love to understand the cultural place. Yeah, it's interesting. As someone says, oh, the Wizard of Oz, that's really helpful. And it, it, was, it, was, a, it was an artistic piece meant to advance the cause in this conflict, this modernist fundamentalist conflict. Uh, I'm just curious, um, Simone, John, have you, have you, when you watched The Wizard of Oz, did you, have you viewed it with that lens before? Because I, I haven't. Like, I, that was kind of like, oh gosh, I'd missed that. Granted, I wasn't a Christian last time I saw The Wizard of Oz, but I hadn't thought about it. W it's, what about you guys? It's we it's a weird movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's a weird movie. Flying it's monkeys. from a book. It's yeah, it's from a book. Yes, like originally the book, a book is really old, yeah. right? Um. So I wonder when the book then was... It's like 1900, I think, something like that. Oh, okay. Because um, also, to your point about, you know, the, what was taking place culturally in the shift and mm -hmm. all you need is, you know, it, the movie also moves from black and white to full color. Yeah. I don't know if I'm pulling too much out of that, but, you know, an interesting... There's all sorts of, like, weird stuff with the movie. Like, like stuff that happened when it, during when it was being made. And really? Like, oh, yeah, there's all these, like, weird conspiracy stuff and and uh, how it lines up with uh, there's like other films or songs or something well, and it, oh and it totally it totally does how it all lines but then there's up the, the guy that hangs himself yeah that's exactly background. right there's like it's crazy yeah Great. there's some really really and the life of judy garland is tortured she's yeah. miserable through the whole making of that movie yeah you need to watch the movie judy to get really? the behind the scenes like yeah. personal life yes yeah, wow. she was a she was a tortured soul. Yeah, and it's a lot of it started with that movie, the way she was treated on set and the abuse she endured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who so knew? So many layers to this movie. There is a lot of layers. Yes. Um, yes. So I think it is interesting though to point out the what was going on culturally, and then you think about how I don't know when I was reading some of your notes here uh, last night and this morning, I thought oh, not a whole lot's changed. 
Maybe the right. terms are different, right? right. Modern, modern and fundamentalist. Like, we wouldn't associate ourselves. We wouldn't call ourselves fundamentalists <laughs> no, anymore. No, But, but the, just the conflict, you know, between um, sort of culture and society and, and what is true, what is not true, and holding to the truth. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you see the church. Um, I, I feel like sometimes we lose ground. <laughs> And then we gain ground, and we lose ground, and we gain ground, and in our our is what we have to offer the world, you know, in their mind, in their eyes, and in their mind, valuable. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting. Um, so getting back to the the question, yeah. um, how do you first? Can we just kind of uh, just figure out what this question asker is asking? As far as uh, this question is, I believe, but no one in my family believes. So is that I believe? But then the next part is no one in my family believes that he is fully God and fully man. So I don't know if this means I'm a believer, no one else in my family is a believer, or if it means we're, we believe, but we don't believe the same things about Hmm. God. So you may want to frame your answers. Um, I took it as uh, no one else is a person of faith in her family. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. I read it too, though. There's like, is she asking about, is the wizard? We're not sure if it's a female or male. Yeah, okay. Is this person asking if the wizard supposed to be the God figure? I wasn't positive what the the heart of the question was either. Um, I don't know. I thought it was doctrinal. Like she was saying, uh, he or she was saying, yeah. my family believes, they go to church. Nec- you know, I'm they believe in God, but they don't necessarily believe. Right, they don't right. believe that God is fully. So maybe if we can Jesus. offer some answers to, to both situations, it might be helpful. Yeah, if it's the case that they're not believers at all, and I I always start with prayer. So I I would just say, and I begin with prayer, and don't stop praying. In fact, someone met me Sunday um, in worship, and I ha- hadn't seen this person in a while, and uh, they had went on to explain how God had answered some decades old prayer over the summer in their family, uh, bringing people closer to faith in Christ. Something that they hadn't had uh, an answer to prayer on, literally, I think it was two decades. So imagine, and we prayed for my father for mm-hmm. many, many decades, um, and then God was merciful right before he passed away to, to lead him to saving faith. So I, I would begin with prayer. I'd continue in prayer. I don't stop praying uh, b- because it's really the Spirit of God that has to capture people and draw them in to faith. Whether or not this is, if the question asker, it was, if it was really a doctrinal issue, how do I get them to see Jesus as fully God, fully man? Um, it's still a matter of prayer. So. Mm-hmm. And the next step? Yeah, I would say live a gospel-centered life. Um, they need to see the gospel lived out. They need to see someone who's uh, joy-filled and loving and kind, and, and they need to experience Christ incarnate, uh, yeah. enfleshed, um, lived out, someone who's following Jesus and so that they can get a sense for what it means to to live as a a redeemed person. Yeah, that's a great point. I remember uh, one of the um, one of the people who, are, who was most influential for me um, as I was just trying to figure things out, and you know, I was reading a bunch of great stuff and getting a bunch of head knowledge. Um, but there was one person in particular where you know she just uh, there was just something about her that. I was like, whatever you have, that's what I, 
I'm missing. That's mm. what I want. Like, and this woman had gone through a lot of trials and a lot of suffering, and and it, and it just had this unshakable peace about her. Uh, peace is probably the strongest word, or more so than joy or whatever. It's more like a peace, and I just knew I didn't have it. That was one of the, yeah, it was pretty instrumental for me. I think the the wrestling with um. I think the I the wrestling between uh, or talking with people who say, "Yeah, I believe in God," and like that's a super common uh, evangelistic conversation that we have in in the area that we live in, where a lot of people will identify as, you know, "Oh yeah, I'm a Christian," or "Yeah, I believe in God." Like they're not they're um what's the word for it? It's an A word, agnostic, but not um. Not necessarily an committed atheist, to a particular faith, right. you know. Yeah, there's a higher power, a God, or whatever, but not committed to yeah, following, knowing, and following Jesus. And to your point, Kyle, I think that's often where, in my experience, and in those, I think, in our community, where um, those conversations become more real is through the lived-out experience of our lives, where the you know your neighbor faces a crisis, and you you know there's or whatever that may be, or they're you know why do you live the way that you live something's different and th- and that's when the conversation about Jesus <laughs> and who he is and wh- how he has impacted your life and versus just sort of an under broader understanding of who God is so mm-hmm. i guess i would offer encouragement to this person that this is not necessarily something they done like they haven't done well because mm-hmm. they haven't come up with the right words to say or mm-hmm. or whatever like this is this is a difficult work if if it is the case where there's this idea of I follow God, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus, or I don't believe He was fully man, or I don't believe He saved me from my sins. Um, I mean, that's that's next level mm-hmm. kind of work. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I maybe was reading into it too much, but I thought for sure you were going to go with the symbolism of the curtain being yeah. torn <laughs> into oh, during your yeah. message. I was like. Oh yeah, well we know what's behind that. There is no more curtain. Yeah. You know, I, you know. Anytime we sing that in a worship song or when it, you know, when I see it in scripture, it, I the symbolism of no longer needing someone to represent you on behalf, you know, in, on behalf of, um, you know, we we can enter into God's presence because of Jesus. He is the sacrifice. I, that's what I thought this person mm-hmm. maybe, not, not that they were asking, but I was really trying to understand what they meant behind the curtain. And I just got so hung up on, but there is no more curtain. <laughs> like, isn't that the coolest part? Yeah. Is that thanks to Jesus, we now enter into the presence of God, and no one has to do it on our behalf. That's good. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's go to the next question. Okay, self sufficiency self sufficiency versus dependence upon Jesus. That was a helpful distinction, but it also confuses me. It confuses me because we need to do something. It's not like we're supposed to do nothing and just wait for Jesus to fix our marriage or raise our kids. Using the cowardly lion as an example, if we are facing a fearful situation, is there some degree to which it's okay to take courage in our abilities? We should probably point out that this was two yeah. two questions kind of in a similar vein, and I think we took part of one question and part of the other question and kind of made one question out of it. Yeah. So. So two listeners probably recognize parts of their question being melded together. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Uh, activity is not opposed to dependence upon Jesus. So, man, I, I'm certainly not, and more importantly, Scripture is not encouraging passivity. Mm-hmm. Um, 
In fact, I quoted James 125 during the service. We're to be hearers and doers. There is a keen activity expected of the people of God. We are to be active, not passive. There are things that we're to be doing. Um, so th the poles that are not either to do something or to do nothing. That's, mm -hmm. that's the listener is exactly right. We're not to simply sit around and wait on God to fix our marriages or fix our, or raise our kids. Um, we are to be active. The, the, the question is, are the activities that we're doing fueled by faith or sin? Remember, whatever is not of faith is of sin. So we want our lives to have, be full of activities of faith. Um, so, for example, this is fairly common. So, you know, worry is an activity that's not fueled by faith. Worry is, in fact, a sin. We're told not to worry. Um, we're told to pray in all circumstances. And so prayer is an activity that's keenly full of faith. And um, so it's, it's something that we should be doing throughout the day and all day long. Um, and so I, in summer, I, I tried to identify that obedience to the teachings of Christ, to the teaching of Scripture, are the activities, whatever those teachings are, and there's lots of them, turning the other cheek and forgiving and doing the other as, as you would have them do unto you. Those are the supreme acts of faith that win the blessings. That mm -hmm. I just was wondering if that was an option about Jesus raising your kids. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. That's not a. <laughs> Pretty sure you do a better job than me. Uh, I think. Uh, I think of phrases like um, people who say things. Um, a couple things came into my mind, but say things like we move, we move by faith. So we we still are walking, moving, going throughout our day, but we do it uh, in faith, knowing that we're not alone, that we have some, some, uh, some to give us wisdom through the Holy Spirit and courage and um, I think and then I, th I thought of the phrase that people use kind of jokingly where they say things like Jesus take the wheel you know uh, Carrie Underwood yeah. <laughs> not to offend anyone no, I mean, who has that t-shirt I have that tattoo yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's a it's kind of a, a pithy funny whatever phrase but it does, it does there's not you know there's nobody that's gonna take the wheel for you, right? Like, you're still going to be holding on to that wheel. Um, you know, just things like that, how we we sort of uh, go to one extreme or, or, or the other. But then how, so how we navigate that through through life, how we're, we show reliance on Christ, yet we we are walking and moving, and, and there are activities that we, ha and we have to work on our marriage. We have to do the hard discipline work but we do it with informed by scripture and in the power of the Holy Spirit and relying on um, on those things to mm -hmm. to help us, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think one of the thing one of the ways we get caught up in it too is is who do we recognize? Who do we give glory to in in the things that happen in our lives? And one of the ways that we can we can sort of fall into the I can't remember the phrase you humanism or whatever, mm -hmm. where it's self reliance. Is we give all the you know if something goes well or what you know it's 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 all us right if something goes terrible it's because God is cursing us God wasn't there where were you you didn't show up you know we kind of can live in those two poles um, so there's my thoughts 
yeah, just a shameful uh, um, worship ministry plug here, but I thought the song speaks into that. <laughs> shameful. <laughs> <laughs> the song speaks into that, like you know, uh, yet not Jesus I, but take through the wheels. Christ. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yet not I, but through Christ in me, right? Um, I lab- I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, oh, that's good. for in my need His power is displayed. Mm-hmm. Yet not I, but through Christ in me, like. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, you know, I was actually thinking about that um, as we were, we were celebrating you and your faithfulness yesterday. Oh, yeah. Like, you yeah, know, I, I totally did. Totally did. Cause I know you loved every Dude, minute of it. Geez. God's faithfulness <laughs> through John. Matt. <laughs> that was like going to the dentist. <laughs> you don't like that being thanked. No, nah, he said fine. that before he <laughs> hates. <laughs> it's all good. Simone, what are your thoughts? I was going to say, you, you look uncomfortable in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's replay that. <laughs> Did I look awkward on this platform? No. Okay, good. I identify with this question. I think that there is, we look for, just tell me, is it A or B? You know what I mean? I I just want to know. Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Um, I don't know if, since you put two questions together, I have no idea the heart of the person here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But I do under, like you said, you know, fix our marriages and raise our kids. Like, if it were that easy. Um, But I, I you know, I know that I love how you just said we, we make these decisions informed by scripture, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, that takes just, you know, some discipline on our on our on our part to surrender, to acknowledge our need for Christ mm-hmm. and to invite him daily into these places where we're desperate for him. And so anyway, I, I relate to this to this question and am constantly asking myself um, how do I balance this idea of surrendering, trusting Jesus fully to help me through the difficulties of life, and then also work really hard and be disciplined yeah. and, you know, um, live out what I know to already be true. It's a, do, do we ever figure it out? I don't know. It's like a. It's interesting. The, um, I have uh, done the right activities for the wrong motives mm. many times. Mm-hmm. And. God in his mercy still cares for us, mm-hmm. like uh, whether it's attending church or spending time in prayer or whatever it is, uh, giving money. It, it's, it's, it's not impossible to be motivated by self-sufficiency, even in activities that could be fueled by faith and filled with faith. So I, mm-hmm. I like what you say about it's an everyday thing mm-hmm. because some days uh, – we get off on the wrong foot or we feel overwhelmed <laughs> and mm-hmm. the um, and the activities that should have been filled by, fueled by faith are actually mm-hmm. fueled by sin and self-preservation or self-sufficiency and mm-hmm. and God is good and he's merciful there because the Holy Spirit uh, cares for us um, yeah. in those moments revealing to us what are our real motives and helping mm-hmm. us out of that mm-hmm. uh, Doing the right actions for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. and helps us out of that, so such that we could be, begin doing the right actions mm-hmm. for the right reasons. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, let's uh, move to the next question. Third question: Hebrews one one to two, and the message made me wonder: Does God still speak through prophets? Currently, there are many people who describe themselves as prophets who claim to have words from God about current world events. Should we listen to them? How do we best love brothers and sisters who we fear have been led astray by false prophets? Have you guys ever had anybody exercise the gift of prophecy in your life? A few weeks ago, right here. Really? Oh, yeah. A guy came up to me, yeah. Yeah? How'd yeah. that go? 
I, you know what? His word was encouraging, so okay. I took it and said, mm-hmm. praise God. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I... Are you selling your house and moving to California? <laughs> <laughs> like you said? No, no, it was more just about, you know, I don't know, revival coming and awesome. you're doing good work here. and That's cool. It was, like, it, was, it was encouraging, so I just received it and it was like, praise God. Yeah, I've never had anybody with like a really specific, mm-hmm. you know. I got a good story. Prophetic <laughs> word. But, I <laughs> but I've had, the, the t- to Matt's point, I've had uh, multiple times here at GBC. People have said things. Hey, I just I feel that you know I heard this or, and in and in other po- times in my life, they've been encouraging. What's your story though, Simone? I, I don't. I can't think of one. I actually probably. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I would probably be hesitant if someone came up to me and said, "God told me to tell you X, Y, and Z." I feel like I've always been taught that God won't or maybe wouldn't say yeah. for you to tell me. Where he would just tell me himself. Hmm. I don't know. So I'm I'm so curious to see what you're going to say about this. Um. Well, I do think God still speaks the, and that there, he the gift of prophecy is still available. It's listed in the New Testament as one of the gifts, and so, um. So I want to build build in some caveats. Mm-hmm. So I'll spend some time doing that really quickly, and then I'll I'll tell this story that I, I was it, it was hugely encouraging to me. So. One of the things I want to say about prophecy, prophecy is both forth-telling and foretelling. Mm-hmm. So forth-telling is truth-telling. Mm-hmm. Thus saith the Lord. Uh, foretelling is telling what's going to un- unfold in the future. And so uh, we know from Revelation chapter 1 that John's revelation is a prophecy. It's a word of prophecy. He's telling what is going to, to come in the future. So anyway... Uh, and in the New Testament, the, the gift of prophecy is, is still available. The Holy Spirit's giving that gift and working through folks. What I want to say about it is not all speech is, has equal authority. And so th- this is the distinguishing mark and a, a very important mark to make when we talk about the gift of prophecy. If the American president says thus and such about the economy, and then I say thus and such about the economy, we know to listen much more closely to the American president because he has experience and he has authority that I don't have. In other words, not all speech, not all prophetic words are equal. So when the gift of prophecy is talked about in the New Testament, it is not talking about what the Old Testament prophets were exercising. They were exercising, they were experienced, and they had authority at a level that today's New Testament gift, uh, those who have received the gift of prophecy, uh, they're not. They're exercising it in a different way. Am I making sense? Or? Yeah, totally. Okay, okay. They had been directed by God, these Old Testament prophets, to speak on his behalf and to come with a thus saith the Lord. So, Simone, I think you're exactly right. If someone comes up to me and says, I believe the Lord's given me a word for you, that we need to exercise discernment. In fact, we're told in 1 John 1, 4 to exercise discernment, to, to test what is being said. And for the reason is, for the, it's the exact reason that the the listener asks this question because there are many false prophets that have gone out in the world. We need to we need to be discerning on what we hear. That's First John one four. So I was at part of my sabbatical activities. I went to a holy a conference on the Holy Spirit, and I was at this conference. It was a relatively small conference. It lasted. We were there two days. It was a three day conference, but we arrived late. And um, during a, a worship set, so people are just singing. 
a guy comes up to me. I didn't see him coming towards me. He comes up, he taps me on the back right shoulder, and I turn around, and he's there. And I say, hello, we don't know each other from at all. He goes, I believe the Lord has given me a word for you. I don't know him. I don't know. I only know one other person in the room, the guy I came with. And this guy says, um, when I looked across the worship center at you, I saw above your head something like a chain. So now we have a vision and a prophetic word. And I immediately think, oh, gosh, he's going to want me to confess some sin that I'm entangled in, you know, the chain. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I'll, you know, I'm happy to. to I didn't wear my seatbelt, and I sped the whole (laughs) way here. (laughs) You know, whatever. (laughs) Lord, I'll, if that's what you want. So, you know, he goes, and then he says. And then he says, but it's not like a chain related to sin. I said, oh, that's nice to hear. <laughs> I don't know if my face had registered it or what. but And now, mind you, people are singing and worship's going on. And it's just he and I talking. He goes, it's a, it's a chain that represents God's hold on someone in your life. Mm. God has a hold of someone. That, here's, he said, here's the word. Jesus has a hold of somebody. He's tethered, mm. chained to somebody that you're concerned about, and he's not going to let them go. Mm. And now, bear with me here. Um, maybe a month earlier, I had said to God, God, you had, you've given me comfort regarding this loved one, mm-hmm. loved one A, and I'm, I know I'm speaking veiled. I said, Lord, you have... You've given me comfort about this person before. You've given me a word, something that I know is from you regarding a person I love and their their care. Lord, you've never given me a, a word about this person. And I have without a doubt, a month later, at this conference on the Holy Spirit, a man I didn't know came across the room and said, the Lord wants you to know there's a person in your life you're concerned about, and that person is chained to Jesus. Wow. They will not get away from Jesus. Wow. I found it hugely encouraging. Oh, for sure. It was really powerful. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Now, I should also say that um, any prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge like that, any New Testament exercise of a gift will never contradict Scripture. And um, so we, ju- we, we do need to be discerning. But I, f- I found that hugely encouraging. And it's not on the same authority mm-hmm. as the prophets of what John wrote in the book of Revelation or what Isaiah had to say. Or, mm-hmm. But it was hugely encouraging, like mm-hmm. Matt said he was encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, so j- I just want to drill down real quick on the, um, it seems like there are maybe some false prophets, uh, some real people that maybe this question asker is mm. thinking about. Who, who comes to mind for you guys um, when you hear a question like, how do we best love brothers and sisters who we fear have been led astray by false prophets? Like, I, I'm assuming we're talking within Christendom, right? I'm assuming we're not talking about... Or on the margins of Christianity. Or right, right. It, Jehovah's Witnesses come to mind immediately. I mean, that's a uh, Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The angel Maroney supposedly delivered golden plates to Joseph Smith. I mean, that's false. Right. Don't you think Christians who are also really close 
to the gospel, like they, they present as if they're pointing everyone to Jesus, but then there's an ulterior motive and lot mm-hmm. lots of what they say or do. I can think of men and women right now. I don't want to say anybody's name because I don't want to get in trouble, but that I can think of like famous mm-hmm. Christians yeah. that are really close. And if you don't know enough about doctrine and scripture, you would follow what they're saying and think, Oh, I really identify with the way they're mm-hmm. communicating to me. This makes sense to me. And you're following someone, not realizing that they're just slightly off. And it's super dangerous. I don't know. That's yeah. what I think of when I think of. And yeah. your word uh, brings to mind prosperity gospel. So if mm-hmm. someone is preaching mm-hmm. a prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. it, and they're talking about and the blessings of God are upon you if you receive Christ, mm-hmm. and you'll be it, it's it's really close to the gospel, mm-hmm. but in the prosperity uh, gospel, there's no suffering. Mm-hmm. And is this what you're getting at? Uh, the other, I think that's a great point. The one I'm thinking more, too, is that if it makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, momentum around, you know, be in touch with how you feel. And if it makes you feel good, you should pursue it. Be, be you. Be the real you. That mm-hmm. That type of... Which, when you're yeah. saying it, you're actually like, that. Is there anything wrong with that? Like, you don't really want to be empowering. Yeah, yeah. Right. you don't want to be rude to somebody. Right. Be somebody else. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's dangerous too when it's not self-forgetting and when it's not um, leaning into, you know, some of the sacrifices God calls us to make. I think that's where it gets yeah. a little bit dangerous. Uh, you know, I've recently um, been in conversation where I, I think, I feel like, um, the label of false prophet was it was just prematurely given just for somebody who just has what we would consider and, you know, air theology. Right. Like it doesn't agree with me. So they're a false prophet. Exactly. And I'm going to call them out. Exactly. Right. Like I, you know, you see that a lot and I, I, I don't know, I think maybe we should caution yeah. at, <laughs> at, at going to that extreme saying, Oh, this church here or this, mm. this leader here is a false prophet because they believe X, Y, Z. And we don't believe that even though, you know, you might go on there website their doctrinal statements and see everything is kosher and then you know right. and you and and in 95 percent of everything else we're lined up but in this five percent they're way off and so false prophet you listen to their music you go to their church you listen to their sermons you're you're being led astray i think you need to be careful about going to that extreme you know the specific question how do you best love brothers and sisters who f- you fear have been led astray i i always lead with questions in that situation and i know it's hard to ask questions in those scenarios that don't come off accusatory. So you have to build some rapport and say, I genuinely want to know, can, you know, you have to, there has to be rapport there and trust. Can you explain to me what's drawing you into this community or following this leader or this teaching? And, and I always, that's, I think that's the best way to love is to ask genuine questions and try and get to know what others are thinking and yeah. feeling. And mm-hmm. That's good. The, the specific part of the question, too, you know, claiming that God has, uh, how do they say it? They describe themselves as prophets who claim to have a word from God about current world events. Mm. That always makes me Pause. extremely <laughs> nervous. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. That's a um, good point. You know, I, I, I think, to your point, Kelly, discernment when somebody shares a, a personal word w- with you mm-hmm. um, I think even more so if someone is getting out publicly and claiming that, you know, um, I think, remember all the weird prophetic st- stuff that people were saying during 9-11, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, mm-hmm. still going on. Or Y2K. Th- yeah, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't, um, 
how uh, prophecy worked, to your point, in the Old Testament, how it worked in the New Testament, how it works today. I mean, it's really, um, you know, we have to be thoughtful. And I, I would steer away from basing any part of my life or my faith on somebody who comes out on a sort of a platform to claim that they knew that God did this or is going to do this, um, and it was a, it's a warning, you know, for the nation or, or whatever. Because we got to remember, <laughs> the prophetic words given to the Israelite nation are not, the United States and Israel are not the same place and yeah. are very unique and different. And so claiming to have a prophetic word for America in line with how prophetic words were given to the nation of Israel is re- you yeah. you're walking on a really really dangerous path when you do stuff mm-hmm. like that because it's just not how it works <laughs> it's scripturally not true so the whole current events, yeah. yeah yeah somebody heard i was going to uh, preach through the book of revelation and said, are you going to have one of those charts behind you with all the days and dates figured out? And yeah. I said, no, mm-hmm. no. In fact, I I want to keep warning folks. I, I think if that's what you're into, it, this, yeah. this uh, series will probably let you down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, words matter. And I appreciate that the person who came up to you, Kelly, said, I think. I pre- Anytime someone comes up to me with prophecy or if I hear about it, yeah. if they come up and they say, I have a word for you from God. The red flags for me and the alarms are already going off. But if somebody comes up and says, you know, I think I have, you know, then it's like, okay, I'm more open. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with the last two questions. Hey, listeners, I just want to invite anybody that's new to the church in the last three months to join me on Sunday evening, September 19th at 7 p.m. at Blackberry Market. Blackberry Market is a yummy spot. And they're going to serve us lots of desserts and treats. It's right across the street from the church. Would love to have you there if you're new to the church in the last three months. I'll do my best to introduce myself as well as talk a little bit about the church. And it'll be a great get to know you event. Hope you'll join us. You can register by uh, just sending me an email if you would like. Just keep it simple like that. Or you can register on the website at the meet and greet there. But uh, my email is kbrady at gebible.org. Hope you'll join us. All right. Question four, if the people of God are being used by God to share his message, what do we do with all the disagreement among the people of God? If you haven't noticed, there is a fair bit of disagreement between churches. Really? (laughs) The ones that don't agree with us are false prophets. They're all bad. (laughs) I have a word from God for all of them now. It, this was my question. I think Simone, you noted it here in our in our notes. Like this was this is the question on if God is. You said something to the effect that God's still speaking through God's his people. Still, still, God's still speaking through His people. God's still speaking through the church. Yeah. That makes everybody go, "Which church? Mm. Yeah, yeah. What people? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of tied in with what we just talked about, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's hard for you know. sure. First thing that comes to mind is I think we need to we need to be honest with ourselves. Just because someone claims to be a Christian doesn't make him a Christian. Uh, which means just because a church claims to be a Christian church doesn't make it a Christian church. And again, we have to exercise discernment. And anything that comes anything that comes out of our mouths or comes out of the pulpit of a church must be judged by Scripture. It must be held up against Scripture, and it must be a community effort. In other words, there must be a community assessment of 
of what is being taught by a church. Like take Westboro Baptist Church in Oklahoma. Mm. Ugh, it's a painful mm. ministry. They're the ones that Topeka, Kansas. Oh, it's Topeka. Sorry, Westboro Baptist. I got that right, right? Yeah, that's the yeah Fred Phelps, right? Yeah, yeah. Topeka. So th- I went to school at Kansas State, and okay. he used to come. Fred used to come and and be in the free speech zone at the student union and just fling. One of the podcasts, yeah. y'all. Y'all asked what was one of my favorite podcasts. I heard a podcast this summer of of one of his daughters oh, wow. who got out of yep. the church. Yeah. Oh, wow. And what it took for her to unwrap and unravel uh, the yeah. teachings of the church. Quick aside, you drive when you drive through Saint, uh, Topeka on I-70, you drive by the church. It is the tiniest, smallest. Yeah, it's, like an, it's a really it's small nothing, group of and, people. And they account for like 50% of Christians in the media for the last 30 oh, years. Yeah. It's like, but... Uh, Anyway, so we need to be discerning, and there needs to be an appropriate assessment, i.e., judgment of what is being taught. So when I get up in the pulpit on Sunday, the elders aren't passive; they're they're actively listening, not to criticize me, but for the sake of the congregation at what's being taught. and And I trust these men to tell me, "Hey, this was interesting," <laughs> or "What were you?" You know, and so it's a it's a team effort in the assessment. I think that you know Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Mormons, um, just because they claim to be a part of the Christian community, I would I would not place them even on the edge of Christendom. I would say no, uh, they're not Orthodox. Um, they are um, errant, heretical. Um, their teachings aren't accurate. So I um, I wouldn't take them. Now I I realize. Uh, you know, perhaps the the question asker is is meaning, yeah, but what about, um, you know, there's a gazillion churches in DuPage County, and how do we decide which one's got it right? Well, you should actually be comforted by by the fact that denominations were created to preserve unity, not to concretize disunity. Right. And so, you know, there is an immense amount of unity around the essentials of the faith. So it's really important to identify essentials and non-essentials. You know, how someone's baptized is not as important as that they're baptized. And in baptism, all Christian churches do baptism. That we celebrate the Lord's Supper is not as important as how we celebrate the Lord's Supper. You know, in, you know, intinction. I don't know. Man, if intinction was the way you were celebrating the Lord's Supper, I don't know that anybody's doing that right now during COVID. I mean, that would be hard. Where you dip the bread. Common uh, cup. Right. (laughs) So, but all Christian churches are celebrating the Lord's Supper. My point here is that, yes, there is disagreement, but 99% of the disagreement is is around Mm -hmm. non-essentials. It's not over the deity of Christ. Is that helpful? I don't know. Super helpful. Yeah, and not only is it over some of the non-essentials, we have lost the art of how to have a disagreement. I mean, we're just rude to one another. We are very black and white. Uh, We post things more than we actually converse with others. Mm. I think it's so important to have the disagreements um, so that you can learn from each other and you can grow in your faith. And, you know, there's a a lot of value into having diverse thoughts, right? Mm. But we've really, as a culture, just, I'm saying, I'm sorry, this is super obvious I'm saying this, but it, we just it's have not, lost. It's a good reminder. We've it's just, a great reminder. We've just lost how to do it. Yeah. So it's almost like giving permission to ask questions and um, have a different thought than somebody else, but know how to do it with respect and in love. I'm, I mean, we're just trying to teach this to our kids. It's crazy how conditioned they are to be. They are very bold on a screen. But you put them in front of somebody and they have nothing to say. 
Yeah, yeah we're know. crushing it at home. It's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> we're making cyber bullies left and right. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You know what? Go ahead. I was going to say along Simone's thought there. I keep saying to myself, um, you're, um, you're not the Holy Spirit. Mm. I'm not the. I'm not called, gifted. I'm actually <laughs> not the third person of the Trinity. Mm. And so many of my compulsions, what I want to do in relationship or in community, is really the job of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so we, I think we all have a propensity to overstep our responsibility in our abilities uh, to really bring change. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's interesting. Somebody asked me not too long ago, who's the leader of Christianity right now? Who's, lead, Jesus. who's leading Christianity <laughs> right now? Yeah, because, I mean, I think in a lot of, to your point. It used to the, be Billy Graham. Yeah, there was Billy Graham. and our Protestant Pope. Yes. Okay. And, 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 was you know. Moody in there? So. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so who are the prime movers and thinkers? Okay, and, okay. And, I see and, where you're going. You know, right now, many of what we would call, what do you call them, prime movers, yeah. okay. that have collapsed, fallen, yes. sin, moral failures, mm-hmm. age, you know, death, whatever, you Walked know. away from the faith. Yeah, all sorts of, or that, that sort of thing. And Kiss the faith goodbye. You know, and, <laughs> wow. Another podcast, sorry. My, I didn't probably have a great answer for this person, but I was like, well, there isn't, there isn't, that, that we're not, we're not led that way by a national you know, Rick Warren doesn't, if he's got the biggest church in America, or Joel Osteen or whoever this person is, or Joyce Meyer, who's got the most TV audience or whatever, they don't, like, but I think a lot of people in culture and society think that they do, that they speak. So Westboro speaks for Christianity, which is really frustrating because right. in a lot of other types of things and a, a lot of other types of institutions like churches in culture and society, there is a CEO or a pope, and we don't have that. And so one of the things I, I hope in all of the pain that the church has gone through recently with moral failures and some of the national voices, you know, I hope we don't raise up a whole bunch more. I mean, we probably will because that's just our problem. But I hope that this gives us the opportunity to say, if you have questions about Christianity, go to your local church. Your local church. Now, people would could say, well, there you have four churches on the corner here at Glen Allen Bible, and there's one you want people to go to, and the rest you don't. So I get I get some of that, but it's it's an opportunity I feel like for be be a good Christian neighbor, be a good Christian sports coach in your neighborhood be a you know what i mean like and what you're really reacting to is the celebrity yeah uh celebrity christian culture right is is in a good way uh breaking at the seams and coming to pieces and right and and so the testimony of the guy next door who's faithfully followed christ and done his best Mm -hmm. to you know teaching his kids not to be cyber bullies that are really trying to exercise their faith in christ you can, you know, hopefully people will be asking those folks questions. Oh, yeah, totally. That, I, I hope this is a, a time of revival in the church, not on a national, like we raise up another national person or leader or that has the best and the biggest church, but that this is a revival in the neighborhoods 
of America, you know, in the places that we interact with where people are really struggling and lost and hurting and broken. And then the, the local community church has an impact in, if, you know. We're, we're so, so quick to want a human king. Oh, come full circle again. Right. That's a good like, word, Matt. We just we want that. We want someone to believe in that's that we can touch and see and you know. And what did God do when they asked for a human king? They gave him one. Yeah. yeah. Right. He gave right. them one. Right. Yes. And it's it didn't go well. Still felt. <laughs> yeah. So and I, that has also yeah. been like, full yeah, circle. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like wait a second. Are we looking for that? And are we putting our hope mm-hmm. in humankind yeah. just to be disappointed? Because we're constantly disappointed by right. leaders. Right. Not the local leaders. Local leaders do great. <laughs> 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 We're killing it. Right. To quote. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch a layup. They want to see the three-pointer. They want to see the slam dunk. You know, yeah. The same, same I, here. You know, we talked about the Marshall podcast before. Uh, the most fascinating thing to me in the, in, the pos- in the podcast was the move in that kind of early 2000s when the, when the guy was talking about, if you, you need to listen, but... He got a, uh, an iPod before iPods were released. Mm. And the idea was fit your content mm. to fit mm-hmm. this device because you could broadcast nationally what's happening now in your local church. And the, everything went from local accountability, local elders, local preaching, local ministry. The focus turned to national exposure. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't even, I mean, it, certainly money was involved, but that really wasn't the driver. It wasn't more money for me. It was more exposure, more influence for me. And the, the simple device that they were able to then create content, both visual, audio and visual content for, led to <laughs> so many problems because they started to try to lead Christianity outside the walls of their local church. Beyond just writing books, people were watching and tuning in and saying, that's my church. 2,000 miles away. Yeah. And, and I mean. Which still exists, right? Like, oh, totally still exists. Yeah. Totally. And there yeah. are some, I will say, there are some churches that still broadcast, you know, a- a nationally. Lots of churches do. I mean, live streaming, every church is doing We're doing it. But I love the some of these churches, you know, um, like the Village Church, Matt Chandler, really influential church. He has a, a, dis, a disclaimer at the beginning that says, "This I'm not your pastor. This isn't your church. Go to your local church. Sit under elder leadership. Sit under pastoral leadership. Yeah. That's what you need to be a part of. Let this help you and encourage your faith in another way. That's where you should be going to church. That's a great word. I appreciate that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, All right, a couple more quick questions. The Blessing promised in verse 3. Is that something we can expect, expect in this life, or is that s- something um, that we get when Jesus returns? Yeah, it's a both and. It's a now and not yet, to use theological terms. Yeah, there's blessings available now. Uh, blessed means just uh, happy or well-adjusted. We can certainly expect that. I think of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. We can expect increased love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness in our lives. Uh, because the Spirit is at work and growing us. Those are, that's a rich blessing. Uh, but the fullness, the perfection, the completeness of blessing uh, isn't until eternal glory. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 that says, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so even Paul looked ahead to an eternal experience 
uh, an internal uh, completeness. Um, so it's a now and not yet. Yeah. All right. And final question. What kind of response does Kelly meet? <laughs> with, uh, what kind of response is Kelly met with when he passes out his story at the train station? Just curious. Yeah, I... Because of, what are you what are you gonna say? John? I think a lot of people are really. Uh, We're not sure if the response is because he has a MAGA hat on, <laughs> or oh John, <laughs> you got I that Biden that little I Biden button <laughs> on your. It's my skinny jeans. Sh- I, I get. <laughs> I go. I'm sorry, you know, I couldn't resist. I try to go out there. Picturing Kelly on the bottom. <laughs> Simone, what were you going to say? I was going to say, are there non-Christians in Glenallen? Which I know. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so Tuesday, I was in Wheaton, and there's, so. Wheaton's full of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, overall, people are very polite. Um, some people don't want to be bothered. I was actually worried when I went out this time, no one wanted a handout because of COVID. Well, Who, yeah. Hey, would you take my COVID? I mean, my handout. And so... <laughs> But people are super polite. I handed out like 50. Generally, they take them, they read them, they throw them away. Um, Usually, if I spend an hour passing them out, then somebody will email me later in the day. I put my cell phone in there, and I put my email in there. They'll they'll email me or text me or something later in the day and say, thanks, that was super encouraging. It's usually believers that respond, saying it was so encouraging to see another believer out there uh, doing the hard work of evangelism and so on. but let me be really clear. I, I certainly go because I believe lost people matter to God. I go for that reason. But the biggest benefit, well, it, it is really good for me. Mm. It gets me out of my internal world, and it helps me externalize my faith. Most of us, myself included, spend our entire day in our heads, mm-hmm. yeah. managing our lives, and to get out there and... and with a megaphone. With a megaphone. <laughs> I used to go with a guy who, I used to go with a guy that liked to sing while he passed out tracks. And so he would That's sing hymns, and he had a great voice. He would sing hymns, and... Um, I definitely think there's, I mean, you and I have talked about some of this know. stuff it, before. It freaks you out. You, it doesn't not, freak me out. No, but I mean, I actually you're think not the way that No, I think the way that you handle it, I think... It fits you, your style. You I, do have to find something that fits your style. I agree. Yeah, and, and I mean, when I see you at a football game, you act that way. You'll yeah. go up to people and, hey, you know, it's not like not who you, you're not yeah. faking it or whatever. Right. You, you easily want to connect, you know, and, yeah. and you have no problem in a, in a crowd. There is a, there are things that can be done that I feel like people are doing for themselves, which I didn't hear you saying I'm doing this for myself. But they're sort of wanting to check a box or, or say, you know, well, when I get to the pearly gates, no one's going to say, you didn't do anything for the kingdom. And they do get a loud speaker and they say, return and burn. And they do. Right. I feel like that does more damage to the church than good. You know, like. We do have to check our motives. Right. Billboards on the highway. If you, where are you going to go tonight? It's like, really? That, I don't know if that does any good. Right. right? Like, is that really helping the. Especially if we live like hell in our neighborhood. Exactly. Right. Right. Now, and I, I get it. You know, like different churches have different philosophies. Different people have different. You know. You're not convinced. Not, yeah. I no. I'm convinced that what you're doing is meaningful and helpful. Uh, no, I mean about the billboards. But I, yeah, I'm not convinced that a lot of what we see as evangelism going on is, is helpful. actually helpful for the church. It might be actually more discouraging for people and more about the person's you know white 
minivan that's painted with Bible verses that drives around Wheaton and blasts out turn and burn messages. I like don't I see just as many out here, but when we lived in the city and, and I'd be downtown, like yeah. we'd see it right. everywhere. And right. It was rare that I would come across someone where I, thought, where I would think like, oh yeah, that person would make a great neighbor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so when you hear that, you know, I was yeah. out passing out tracks, uh, you know, sharing my story, you're like, ooh, whoa. So it's good that you explain a little bit of, you know, who you are, your heart, your humble kind of. All right. Well, it's episode good. 201. 201. Done. <laughs> <laughs> good job, everybody. That's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the next level podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. Prophecy.